Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this, this is, is, Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 828. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA podcast. Looking back at the weekend, just going and looking ahead to the first numbered card of the new year. Toronto, the destination this weekend. And we'll be giving you a preview show a little later on this week. If you want to hear it, then make sure you subscribe to us. Fightdisciples.com. You can get all your audio feeds under the sun there. Spotify, Google Play, Apple, you name it. We've got the lot. And you can also watch us as well on our YouTube channel. Fight disciples is what you're looking for on youtube please subscribe to us and help us grow the community there uh what are you looking like that for we're not let's just stick to mma we don't need to talk about football don't need to talk about your little second team and kevin de bruyne making his little comeback (laughs) scoring a half decent goal i score them in five a side all the time by the way do you Let's Do not you? get carried away. Do you? Eh? <laughs> Kevin De Grealish, do you mean? With his brand spanking yeah. new Barnet? Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Comes on. Does a wee bit up in Newcastle. See you in a bit, lads. Jesus. You've got to admit, everybody that actually had any hope of competing for a league title this year and getting excited about winning a league title this year, you saw him come on at weekend and you went, oh, for Fuck. fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> <laughs> It was certainly that. Uh, it was the fact that because I was obviously I was getting excited watching the game. I was like, "Come on, the tune of the tune army!" Hey, yes. And then, uh, and then, uh, Sochai came off the bench, and I was like, "You can fucking sit back down." And then he just strolls on and casually sides for one into the bottom. Nay, I was May. like, oh, say, "Come on." He's not even Jesus up to speed Christ. yet. And he's just strutting around and just side foots one in from 20 odd yards. What the fuck was that? And then yeah. Nate the pass. He's he's played he's played PS5, man. He's hit yeah, the triangle yeah. button and he's put it on so put it on a sixpence. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Next year. <laughs> yeah, so that so then I've got that. And then I'm like, oh wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mozambique are turning over Egypt, do you? Happy days. Supermar will be back at the end of next week because they'll get knocked out of the uh, African Cup of Nations double double quick time. And then they get a 97th minute penalty. And I'm like, Mo's been missing penalties for fun for Liverpool. Great. Mo, take the pen. Not a problem. Betty's it. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, Mo. So, yeah. Super Mo's. Uh... Anyway, it is what it is, kid. Get it off your chest, lad. Get it, it off your chest. 
Yeah, anyway, that's that's not the premier sport. That's not what people are tuning in for. They're tuning in for the premier stuff. They're that's tuning right. in for the violence. That's what they're Proper tuning sport. in for, mate. Mm -hmm. uh, Good to see the UFC let's... back. What was that? A six-week break we had? It's too long, man. It's too long. Hey, too long. What the fuck? You stop moaning, right? It's We're talking about Champions the premier fight. Shush. The premier fight organization in the world. Provides fight after fight after fight. All the fights that you want to see get made week after week after week. Can you need a break over Christmas, mate? You need to give them no. employees a little bit of break. What do you mean? No. 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 You can't have too a long. break. Exactly. Six weeks is far too long. I don't know if it was six. Was it six? Yeah. The last numbered card of the year, we were there. So that's December 16th. And they came back last Five weekend. Weeks. Five weeks. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, they were back we, last week. Yeah, yeah. No, they weren't. This was it. This was the first week back. Five weeks off. Unbelievable. Right, last, that was last week. We're in a new week now. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> without <laughs> extreme violence. That's what I will say. Far too it. long. But it was I good to it. see it back. Good to see it back. Even though it was at the Apex. And, mm. you know, we're not fans of the Apex. Typical UFC fashion. First card of the year. Absolute bangers, some incredible knockouts, some legacy defining shit. And we've got our standalone light heavyweight next contender, in my opinion. Right. Before that, go to Friday. Can we talk about them flyweights, missing weight, sunshine? The core main yes. event that we're all extremely right. excited about. We're all buzzing for it, weren't we? Matthias Nicolau uh, taking on Manuel Cap. Um, with all due respect, the main event obviously caught our imagination, but that core main event caught the imagination as well because this division's red hot. Where's the next contenders coming from? We know that Moreno's taking on Albazi very, very shortly. And me and you kind of had a little bit of a fleet looking at that fight, thinking maybe, maybe the winner of this might then go and get Brandon Royval, who, by the way, has stepped up as a last minute. I say last minute, it's not last minute, is it? But he stepped up as a replacement opponent. Uh, Albazi. For Albazi, who's out of the fight with Moreno. So now Roy Val's fighting Moreno, number one contender's fight. This then kind of opened up this division. Manuel Cap rocks up. Three and a half pounds uh, overweight. And I fully support Matthias Nicolau's uh, attitude of going, no, nah, fuck off then. I'm not fighting you. End of son. I don't want 20% in purse. This is more. I'm coming off the back of a loss, a big loss to Brandon Roy Val. My career is important. I want to be fighting the guys which propel me further forward in this division and towards a title fight. You taking liberties, coming in heavy. I'm not. I'm not playing that game. And he walked away from the fight. And I fully support his attitude towards that. Man or cap coming in three and a half pounds overweight, mate. Yeah, it, it's unacceptable. It's not missing weight. It's failing to make weight. And hopefully, he was ill a couple of weeks out. And if he was, flag it then. Flag it yeah. then. Yeah, he put a big post on his Instagram, didn't he, saying I was ill a fortnight ago and this and that. A fortnight ago, well, the, the problem then is then the US, the, you know, Nicolau goes, oh, he was sick two weeks ago. He's making weight. Great. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll put pressure on him. I know he might will. So there's two ways to look at it. Did the UFC know about it in advance? The UFC should have absolutely been notified two weeks ago to say, listen, man, I'm sick at the moment. Any chance we can do this at Bantam? Or, um, or maybe, push uh, it back a couple of weeks. A 130 catch weight, or you know what, push it back a fortnight. I'll do it the week after next. To 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 rock up and to be three and a half pound overweight is failing to make weight, as I say. So I seen the initial reaction was the UFC said, "Leave it with us. 
we're going to speak to Nickel out. No, I think there has to be a line in the sand. I know, you know, I was hoping this was the year we're going to see it and something what we tried to raise with Dana. It's like the UFC and Nevada State Commission need to take a, a stronger stance on this to go, right, you've exceeded the missed weight. You're now in the category of failing to make weight, which means that it could be technical, which means that 20, 30% going to your opponent's not good enough, whatever. You're starting this fight. If Nicaro agrees to continue, you start this fight with the point docked in the before the first punch is thrown. I fully support that. I think that is the best idea for anyone who's outside this parameter of missed weight. Your missed weight might be a pound. He's already got an extra pound because it's not championship. So he's already got the ability to make one, two, six. Anything above one, two, seven, one, two, seven point five for me. Is a missing weight to fail and to make weight. Well, the, com- the, the commission, the commission in this weight division, the commission pull him at four, don't they? At four pounds. So this, this is the Nicolau's beef because he's coming at three and a half with it 30 is, minutes. But it to is go. four, though. It should be four with championship weight. Yeah, all right. Four and a half right. pounds of championship weight. Yeah. Right, support Nicolau. You had four pounds before it becomes an issue. You've weighed in four and a half pounds over championship weight. One, two, six is in the weight class. One, two, five is the weight class. You've weighed in four and a half pounds heavy. That's technically, in my opinion, that's tactically not making weight. I've killed myself to make one, two, six. You're rocking up at one, two, nine point five. Going, yeah, give him a bit of my pace because I tell you what, I'm fresh as fuck. I beat him. I get a world title fight. Nicola was one hundred percent, and I think every single fighter. And it's tough because. Some people might not be in the same financial position of Nicola that they've just got. To, we've got yeah, to take I don't, it I don't even. I don't even know if he's in a great financial position. No, you know he spent money on his camp and all that. You've sacrificed Christmas. You've trained right over the holiday season, probably without sparring partners because they've wanted to enjoy themselves. You and your team have made sacrifices to get to this point to make weight. Guy rocks up three and a half pound over. No, I don't want twenty percent of his basic, which is probably about thirty grand. I'm not asked about six grand. I want the win. That's more important to me because it gets me a potentially gets me a world title fight. So I completely agree with Nicolau. I think the UFC have, have got it, and the commissions have got to stop going. He's missed, guys. Give us, we're going to go and speak to. It's on the opponent now. Let's let him decide. No, it should be a fair, a fair punishment. Right, you're four and a half pounds over flyweight. That means we're going to go to Nicolau. You're losing thirty percent and. You're a point off when the fight starts. You agree? You want to continue? Sam, we'll go to Nicolau and we'll offer him that. That's where we should be right now. Let's see. First event of the year and already the co-main event. Potentially, tactically misses weight. This is a mm. bad stain on the sport. USC needs to nip it in the bud now. This has got to be the year it gets tackled. So we didn't get the fight that we all wanted to see, which is a shame because it was all set to be a banger. Small cage as well. Small guys going at it. Big ramifications for the division. Um, I'm pretty confident that they will probably revisit it because it is a great stylistic matchup in order to remake it. It'd be interesting to see if uh, Matthias Nicolau trusts him uh, and accepts the fight. Yeah. Or does he well, look, I'm, I'm or guessing does he look towards remake. a Kai Kara Francis? It? Well, if I was Nicolau, I'd be like, uh, it's got to happen in the next three or four weeks. I want that rearranged for the next three or four weeks. I ain't fucking off going and doing another camp for Manel Cap. No chance. Either rearrange it for the next inside the next month or. I want a fresh opponent next time. I don't want to face Manel Cap because what if he does it again? That's what yeah. I, that's what I would be saying if I was Nicolau. Yeah, that, that was obviously a rematch. Never, ever, ever missed weight. 
Jim fucking Miller. We'll come on to him in a second. Never missed weight. More UFC appearance than anybody in history. Never, ever once missed weight. Anyway. I noticed he's asking for welterweight, though, next time out. Anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, get to that in a minute. Um, let's see if they can get that rematch on between uh, Nicolau and Cat. One rematch that was the main event, of course, uh, was Magomed Ankalaev taking on Johnny Walker. First one ended in controversial fashion as the doctor stepped in. Uh, Johnny Walker told him that he was in the desert and the doctor was having none of that and then waved the fight off after that uh, illegal knee. And he was an illegal shot at the end of the day, you know. Uh, it was right to be stopped, but controversy obviously took us to where we got to on Saturday night. Rematching inside the apex, Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. No controversy here, mate. No. I actually enjoyed the first round. Um, I thought, well, Johnny... You're saying no on. controversy. There is a little bit of controversy. Go on, what's your controversy? End of the first round, Ankalaev fucking kicks him clean in the balls. Oh, yeah, yeah, Fight yeah, has yeah, to yeah. be stopped and they have to give him a standing. That was a bad one. You know, he, for Mark Goddard to say, this is your one and only incredibly staying warning. That was a strong shot of the Nads. That wasn't like a glancer. You fucking kicked him in the balls. Because Johnny Walker was fuming and I could see why. But at the end of the day, Ankalaev, foul, deliberate or whatever, however you want to consider it, is working within the perimeters of a fight. He got a final warning for it. That should have been warning enough. Did it throw Johnny Walker off his game? Did it Johnny Walker, who's been adamant, that was a deliberate foul in Abu Dhabi. That was a deliberate foul anyway. I shouldn't have continued. I wanted to, but it was a deliberate foul. He knew what he was doing. Once again, he gets it with another foul. And Johnny Walker's like, this guy's a fouler. This guy, this one does. He fouled you. But that's Johnny. If I'm not saying that was the case. Johnny Walker's got to keep us focused. Do you know what I mean? He ain't getting disqualified for it. So you've got to stay in the fight. But at the moment, in that moment, you could see he was looking at Ankalaev to go, I knew, I knew you were going to foul me again. I knew you were going to foul me. Ankalaev, meanwhile, it's just like, we're in a fight, motherfucker. So yeah, Mate, I wouldn't say it was, no. There's still on. a little bit of, eh. And he went, and he went and sat down. He had time to compose himself. Yeah, he got time. And then, yeah. the, and then the second round begins. Yeah? Correct. Uh, I enjoyed the first round up until uh, the nut shot. I thought Johnny, you know, there was a bit of spinning stuff in there, weren't there? He's having to go at a few little bits and bats, but they were both booting away at each other's legs. Um, I kind of liked the bad, in you could see the bad intentions from both dudes in, in yeah. that first five minutes. Uh, and I kind of liked the way that it was all shaping up. But to me, absolutely no surprise the way that the fight ended up finishing because I tipped Magomed Ankalaev to win it. I thought that he'd do it with his hands because I thought that Johnny Walker would leave himself open for something. And that's exactly how it kind of played out. And the finish is, mate, it's brutal. Mega. The shot that puts him down solid. The uppercut on the deck that breaks his nose. Personal. That, is, that was personal. That, yeah, it was. That was, but it was in, The fight hadn't been stopped at that point, though. No, it, no. no, it's a legal shot. It's a completely legal shot. But like you said, it's a no, it's naughty. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. filth. You, you blast someone with the right hand and they crumble into the fence and slide down the fence. And then you run forward with an uppercut. Bumph. Knowing full well, that head can only go so far back. The body can't fall over because there's a fence keeping him up. And his head's there and you hit him with an uppercut and his face just basically clatters against... That was personal. That was that was built up from 
the the no contest of last year that was built up of not even just Johnny Walker, the frustrations of the Yamblahovic draw, the frustrations of the Johnny Walker no contest in Abu Dhabi. That was Magomed Ankalaev just been warned, final warning over a nut shot. That was him going, right, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to smash you up. I'm going to get me a title fight. No more ifs, buts, and maybes. Judges, put your pens down. Get ready for this. It's him at that right hand. But the mad thing was, I was Bispin on comms almost talked it into happening because Bispin, with it in the in the final minutes, Bispin goes, Johnny Walker's really predictable. All he's doing is circling left. He's going to circle into a right hand. Ankalaev just needs to cut off the cage a little bit more and he'll land it. And he finishes saying that. And it's as if, and he probably did. I'm not saying he was conscious of what Mike said, but he probably heard what he said because the apex is so quiet. Yeah. From that moment, Johnny Walker starts stepping right. He starts circling the other way for about 20 seconds. And it seems to throw Ankalaev off. It's the first time he's starting to go that way, stepping right. So Ankalaev's now going left. The whole rest of the fight. Anyway, it only goes on for about 30 seconds. Because I was like, oh my God, it's like Johnny Walker's just listened to what Mike said. But it was also like Uncle I've listened to what Mike said because after about 30 seconds, Johnny Walker averted the type and started stepping left again like he had done the entire round and a half. And when he did, Uncle I have stepped across, cut the cage off, hit him with that right hand. He falls into the fence and then he uppercuts him in the face. So Bispin's got to take some responsibility for that knockout because he almost cut. Don't keep stepping left. He's going to hit you. Oh, yeah, good. Step right. Now he's stepping left again. Now he's it, yeah. Told you. Told you that was going to happen. Crazy. Yeah. Listen, you gave us an interesting start in the build-up uh, in the previous show last week about the last time Magomed Ankalaev had his hand raised. Obviously, he's had the the draw, the no contest. It's been a long time, uh, month-wise. It's only two fights, but it's month-wise. It's been a long time since he's uh, been in that win column. Well, he's back. He's back in that win column with a great win over Johnny Walker. And he's undefeated in, what, 15 fights or whatever it is? Or seven yeah. fights or whatever his run is? Now, I don't know the answer to this, but I know that Jamal Hill was obviously in the arena. I say in the arena. He was in the apex at the weekend and he was watching that particular fight. Rightfully so, because you know full well at some point in your career, you're probably going to face Magomed Ankalaev or even Johnny Walker. Um, do do the UFC get Ank- Do they make Ankalaev Pereira? If, if Jamal Hill's not fit and he's not ready to rock and roll, I mean, he looks relatively fit he looks all right he's he's out of his uh that boot that he's had on his foot it's uh it, it seems if he's not fit and ready to go do you put Ankalaev in a title fight next against Pereira yes yes absolutely absolutely um because it needs to move forward and you know we need UFC still needs a main event for UFC 300 as well but not only that they're, they're coming thick and fast so I I don't know how long Jamal Hill's going to be out for? Um, yeah, the weird thing a few months ago as well, didn't he? he got it when he got arrested for beating up his brother. Um, so I don't know what the situation is there with Jamal Hill, but more than anything else, I think it's we need to move this forward. I feel like Ankalaev is the perfect opponent. Jamal Hill's the the million dollar question: Is he fit? Is he going to be able to fight inside the next two months? I don't think he is. So would you put it on UFC 300? I would do, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Ankalaev comes through that fight relatively unscathed. Um, I think he's ready. He's ready for that opportunity. He deserves that opportunity. He fought for the title once before. 
He ended up being a draw. And then because how that performance was ultimately judged as being a flat performance, the belt moved on and went in a different direction. So he's right there. It's not like he's suffered any defeats. So, yeah, I think, listen, I think it's on Jamal Hill. If Jamal Hill says, listen, I ain't ready for April, but I am ready for May, I think it's going to be tough then to go, well, fuck you, because he relinquished the belt. He's, he's part of the reason why we're in this position where Perea was able to fight for the vacant belt is because he gave it up, just like Jerry yeah. gave it up. So I, I think it would be cruel to then go, are you not going to be ready then, though, are you? You said a week, two weeks later, yeah. Nah, man, we're going to move on. Right now, I think Jamal Hill, there's been no big noise to say he's back training, back available. So no. I can see it being Ankalaya versus uh, versus Alex Bahia at UFC 300 with Jamal Hill. Cage side, ready to go. Maybe International Fight Week to fight the winner. Yeah. Yeah. I think last time I'd seen something... His manager done an interview, and he'd mentioned International Fight Week, Jamal Hill's manager. Mate, they're all talking about International Fight Week, aren't they? Connor's on International Fight Week. Izzy's talking International Fight Week. Jamal Hill's talking International Fight Week. They're all having a bit of a ding-dong. If you're on championship points, if you're if you're in the championship fight, there's a chance you can negotiate points on the pay-per-view pound. And Connor's in the main event. Chitta, chitta, ching, boys! Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, listen, great performance from uh, Magomed Ankalaev. I'm convinced. I've always been convinced that at some point he's going to be champion. I thought he was going to do it against Jan Blakovic. He dropped the ball. Um, this feels like, there's a, as you said, when you're listening to him chat, there's a bit more of a, a nastiness, a bit more spite, a bit more focus in some of the words that he's saying and the, and the conversations that he's having um, with media. Um, the performance was spiteful. The performance was nasty. And I want to see him in. I want to see him in with Alex Pereira. I want to see him in with Jamal Hill. I want to see if he is the best guy in this division. It's an interesting division, isn't it? There's so many different contenders. Obviously, we've got Rakic and various others that we could uh, throw into this mix as well. And who knows what weight division Israel Adesanya is coming back at? Who knows, man? I would imagine that it's still going to be middleweight, but who knows? Uh, uh, the um, With Ankalaev, it reminds me a little bit of the Tom Aspinall situation. You know, okay, he never got injured like Tom did, but that time away made Tom. Tom came, no doubt about it. The injury to Tom Aspinall is the reason why he's champion now because that time away, that opportunity to take stock of his career, to take stock of his situation, his training setup, and everything else. And he came back against Tybor, a, a completely different animal, motivated, drilled in calling for fights, wanting to be the champion, wanting to prove he's the best in the world. Whereas prior to that, he just seemed to be like, I'll get there one day. And I feel like Ankalaev's a bit like, yeah, man, I'm going to be champion one day. I'll get there. And I think when he, when what happened against Jan happened and the draw was scored and then the belt just fucked off in that direction. And he was a bit like, hey, wait a minute. I was there. It was a draw. I was injured. I got through that fight. Thought I'd done enough. I didn't. And now the belt's gone that way and I'm kind of here. And then he got to match with Johnny Walker. And obviously the, the, the referee, the doctor goes and ends up scoring that fight because of a foul, don't get me wrong. I think Ankalaev, in a little bit of the same vein, has looked at himself in the mirror and gone, what am I waiting for? I'm going to make this shit happen now. Otherwise, yeah. no one's going to give it to me. No one's going to come along and go, Magomed, mate, this is yours. You're the guy. I think he's realized, like Tom, i fucking got to go after this. i got to go and take it off someone. i got to go and demand what's mine. And I think right now, that performance against Johnny Walker on Saturday, that looked like to me something changed in Ankalaev's mind where he's like, nah, man, 
No more of these points decisions. No more of these waiting to see what the UFC wants. I want that title and I want it right now. And I'm heavily going after it, which is why obviously the narrative was, put me in with Pereira, let's do it. And he's put the UFC in a position. And I think, don't get me wrong, I think Pereira looks at that fight and goes, yeah, man, Sam, all your finishes by knockout. Yeah, he fancy I'll it. Fear, he fancy it. It's a kickboxing fight. He fancies that. But, but Ankalaev can, can grapple. Exactly. You know, Ankalaev, like we've seen against Jan Blachowicz, and again, it wasn't sexy. And again, I'll lean on the fact that he was injured in that fight. But Ankalaev has still got that Dagestani top pressure, concrete blanket wrestling in his arsenal. I think that's what they will go, right, we'll stand and bang with Alex Bahia until it's not time to stand and bang, and then we'll take him down and we'll beat him up on the ground. I think it's a fascinating fight, I really do. But I think Bahia fancies it, and Kalaev fancies it. We've got to keep the, got, got to keep the show moving, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, how many more records do you reckon Jim Miller's going to get before he decides to call time at UFC 400? Incredible, and yes, I said 400. It's not a slip of the tongue. I was being facetious. Yes, I think he's still going to go on for another 10, 12 years or whatever he's going to go on for. The man is unbelievable. 43 fights in the UFC. Most amount of wins, finishes. Crazy, mate. Crazy. It's just insane. The level he's still fighting at at this stage of his life. It's not just necessarily this stage of his life, being 40 years of age. Listen, Listen, unfortunately, we both know shit slows down. Nothing's whoa, the same. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in peak physical condition. I'm on the uh, Himalayan pink salt, my friend. I'm flying. The uh, the body slows down. The recovery process is way more difficult. And he's to be doing it at the level that he's doing it and putting in the performances that he's putting in. He's not showing any signs of his age. He's not showing any sign of slowing down. I don't know whether he's motivated by 300 and he's motivated by breaking these records and extending this legacy. I don't know what, what it is that mm. is keeping Jim Miller as aggressive and as passionate about this sport as he was a fucking decade or two ago. I don't know what it is, but 2008, you know, mate. I was, do you know what? I didn't even know I was there. It was only when I checked his records that I was like, Oh my God. Jim Miller was on the undercard. I was there. It was a Bispin was the main event. Yeah. It was it was in Birmingham, I think it was. And I just I, obviously I had no recollection at the time. Jim Miller was making his debut. He was probably one of the first guys on there. UFC 89, it was. Took on David Barron. Again, a, comp- a fight that you did I? Was I, I it was only when I looked at it, the fact that Teddy Etton, Paul Kelly, Paul Taylor, all British fighters. Yeah. Whose UFC careers I followed was on there. It was on there. It was the Paul the Paul uh, Kelly fight, and I was like, "Oh shit, I was there for that." I was there when he made his debut. Absolutely mental that he's been on the journey that he's been on ever since. The amount of fights, the amount of wins, and he's still doing it. He's still doing it. He's still finishing guys. Unbelievable. Incredible. Good guys as well. Good yeah. guys. Listen, listen. I know that this matchup when we we previewed it for you. Benitez, yeah, but Benitez is solid, and he—I know that he's been out for a long time. He's been out since the back end of 2022, hasn't he? We haven't seen him in the outscore for a bit. I know that it was originally scheduled uh, for February of last year. Uh, Benitez didn't fight at all throughout the whole course of last year, and they, he finds himself in this fight with Jim Miller, who's been ticking along. He's been doing his thing. He's been doing Jim Miller stuff. There's been wins, there's been losses along that bumpy road up to this particular point. 
Um, it's a good fight. It's a solid fight. It's a competitive fight. But Jim does Jim stuff in that third round, man. You're just thinking to yourself, fuck off. What is going on here? Yeah. You could, do you know, I always get a little bit apprehensive when you want something further down the line for something and then they book it, the fight. It's a fight game. You don't play around with matchmaking, do you? It's like, for example, AJ Wilder, right, in boxing. Stop fucking about with the with the matchmaking. Just make AJ Wilder for December uh, the 23rd. Yeah? No, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have two semifinals because they're both going to win those semifinals and that's going to propel us towards March. Well, one of them dropped the ball, mate. So now that's off, isn't it? We're not going to get it. So with Jim, when they booked Jim Miller for January, I was like, no, what are you doing? Right? UFC 300 sat there, yeah? Please put him on UFC 300. But they book him for January and you think to yourself, just don't drop the ball here, Jim. Don't drop the ball here, Jim. Jim didn't drop the ball. Jim just <laughs> struts into the gaff as a scrap. There's claret everywhere. Chokes the dude out, drops him. Brilliant. Here we go. I'll see it. I'll see it. And then, this is brilliant. Obviously, there's going to be tons of speculation as to who could fight Jim Miller at UFC 300. There's lots. I mean, we've thrown out there. So could it be when we, when it was December? We were saying, listen, it could be the winner of Tony and Paddy. Does that match Paddy's schedule with the babies coming and all that type of stuff? We don't know. You know. But there's loads of different things that you can throw into the mix of who Jim Miller could fight. Jim just took it all out of all our hands. You see him on comms there. He's talking about coming back. He's my age. Me and Paul Felder. Bring the Irish Dragon. UFC 300. Let's have a let's have a veteran scrap, shall we? I can't, I, the minute he said it, I went, that makes perfect yeah. sense. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. Amazing. Make the fights. Make the fights. That's the one. Yeah. Um, Two legends that. at it. You can tell Felder's all in as well. Felder's Mate, like, Felder was hilarious. He's got his suit, he's suited and booted there, right? Fist spins in the mic, gives it to Jim. Jim says what he says, and they cut to uh, Felder, didn't they? And Felder's like looking at the screen like this, and all of a sudden he just goes, <laughs> Thanks, done. Done. It's absolutely done. As if they're not going to make that fight now. It's the perfect fight. And it's the perfect fight because. Hey, listen, Paul Felder's retired now. He's he's competing at a very high level in in Ironman triathlon tournaments. He's back in the pool, though. He's still he came back in the pool, after, back in the pool yeah. after after the zombie walkout. He went back in the pool. Yeah, he's back in the pool. So he's obviously got itchy knuckles. He does want to come back. It's all about the right fights because he's not going to have a push. He's not going to you know suddenly come back and start competing again. My only thing is. I'm like, yeah, UFC 300. And regardless of what happens at UFC 300, do we expect Jim Miller to retire now? Absolutely not. I don't. I really don't. He's five and one. That's his current form. He's five and one. That's some of the best form of his UFC career. It's fucking Whoa. insane. Okay, he's fighting guys that are absolutely... Fuck it. Give him Makachev. Give him Makachev at UFC 300. Fuck it, man. Let's go all in. Well, listen, I, I said that last year and you laughed at me. So I'm all in on that, of course. But what I'm saying is, it's like, I get it. He's got to be on 300 because it's the 100, the 200, the 300. He's the ever-present. He's the guy that's amazing. And unless Brock comes back, which he isn't, nobody is equal in that record. So it's phenomenal. Can he get to 400? We jest, we joke, but no. fucking who knows with him, man. It's insane. But you know he's only ever main evented twice? He's only ever been the UFC In 43 fights? In two occasions, yeah. 
two occasions. There was Nate Diaz versus Jim Miller in, in Jim Miller's hometown in New Jersey in 2012. He lost that by submission. And then in 2014 in Atlantic City, he was main event against Cowboy, which he lost in the second round by wow. a head kick knockout. Since then, he's never been in a main event. Also, I don't know whether they were mandatory five rounders then. They, they probably were. But he's obviously never been past three rounds either. He's never had a fourth round in the UFC or even probably outside the UFC. Is that the secret to the longevity success? Never being in camp four or having to go through a 25-minute contest. He's never fought for more than 15 minutes. So is mate, that the secret to longevity? Mate, I just checked something there because I, I, I kind of knew where he was from. I'm just making sure. You just flagged it up. Right? I talked about New Jersey, yeah? If they make it, it's Jersey against Philly. I know. Fucking hell, mate. Everything just works. Everything just works. Yeah. Do you know what Jim Miller's hometown's called as well? Go on. Sparta. <laughs> no shit. He's from Sparta. Fuck me. And he's taking on the dragon and taking on the dragon. Jesus, mate. They couldn't, they, they, you couldn't write a better narrative. You could not write a better narrative. It's on. Get that fight booked for UFC 300. I completely Fel, agree. Fel, Fel, Felder's tweeted, I'm just, I need to go and speak to my wife. I'll be back. He's <laughs> right. Brilliant. I love shit like this. Go yeah. and have a speak to the missus. Get yeah. it booked in and let's get it rocking and rolling some. Absolutely. I think the other option out there, and there's someone Jim Miller mentioned, I don't know whether he mentioned it in the octagon, but he certainly mentioned it in the uh, in the media room afterwards, was Matt Brown. Matt Brown up at Welterweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works as well, doesn't it? That fight absolutely made sense. Mad thing is, obviously, Jim Miller's the record holder, most fights, everything else. Matt Brown's got a couple of years on, and Matt Brown's 43 most years of age. Matt Brown's 43 and still fucking doing it and still still at the top. Matt Brown made his UFC debut the month before Jim Miller. The two of them have been round. Is that most fights against most finishes? Uh, or most no, knockouts? Matt Brown's not most finishers, is he? I don't think so. He'll be up there, mate. He'll be up there. He's up there because of the longevity. He's been around. That's forever. what I mean, mate. I'm just uh, thinking of the narrative of how you sell the fight. Second most post fight, most knockouts, most knockouts in UFC welterweight division history with there you go. There you go. There you go. So you've got most fights ever against most knockouts. Let's go. Well, Matt Brown is second most knockouts in history behind only Derek Lewis with 13, yeah? So Matt Brown, most finishers in welterweight division history. There you go, then. Let's do it oh at welterweight. Most finishers against most fights. Two guys that debuted in the same year in the UFC. In fact, two fuck it. Give Jim Miller two fights at UFC 300. He'll do it. Give him Felder and give him Brown. <laughs> Open up and finish with him. That's all we should do. No, do you know what? I'm thinking I'm thinking it's I don't know whether UFC 300 is the right place for Matt Brown to uh, Jim Miller to sign off because no. he's as I say, he's fucking 5 and 1 right now. It's not like he's struggling like mad. His career is going in one direction. Now of course at 40 years of age, you can't start talking about ranked opponents and everything else. No. Big fights. You make these legends fights that we're talking about. But you do Paul Felder at UFC 300. 
Then after that, are we not, after 10 years of waiting since the Cowboy main event, do we not get do Jim Miller versus Matt Brown in a Legends main event? Miller Brown all over the poster. If, oh, mate. And take it back to Jersey. And if they've booked at that point, if they have booked Makachev and Getchy, because Makachev's come out and said it's going to be Getchy next year. Yeah. So if they've booked Makachev Getchy by that point, Justin Getchy must put the BMF belt on the winner of that fight. Yeah. He, 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 and let him present it. Let him yeah. donate that belt to that fight. <laughs> that would be, be amazing. Hey, honestly, Jim Miller versus Matt Brown for the BMF belt. Holy shit. That's class. That is perfect. Absolutely perfect oh, in a main man. event. Woohoo! He is a freak of nature, though. Complete freak of nature. Great performance, by the way, the weekend. He was phenomenal. He was absolutely phenomenal. Dominates the fight for two rounds. Gives Benitez yeah. a little bit of a shellacking. Takes a few along the way. And then the third round, takes us back. And then true Jim Miller style. I don't need your chin, kid. I'll just go right across your face with this old country boy face squeeze. Yeah. Mega. Um, Mario Bautista came through against uh, Ricky Simon. I'm just looking... Um... For something here because I, I had a stat on Phil Hawes. I'm a little bit concerned about uh Phil Hawes, mate, because obviously he ends up getting brutalized by uh, Bruno Freire. We kind of said this last week, didn't we? Someone's getting chinned that this fight, yeah, absolutely. Phil Hawes, it's you or him, and Bruno Ferreira. The interesting thing for that particular fight was uh, he's coming off the loss. So, how does he react? How does it, how does Bruno Ferreira react? I actually thought early he was a bit apprehensive. He was, was, you know, he was looking for those takedowns. When he was grabbing hold of that leg, he was looking for them ankles. He, he was he was looking to get close and narrow the gap between him and Phil Yeah, yeah when course. you've been in, that's perfectly human nature to want to get hold of the guy a little bit and well, make sure you're not on the end of a big shot. But once he settled down, <laughs> once he settled down, started letting a few hands go, started letting a few kicks go, and he found his range. He, he settled back into being Bruno Ferreira. And he delivered it. Listen, he delivers an unbelievable knockout. The hammer fists, the punches on the floor, everything's just brutal. Uh, and he and he finishes Phil Hulls. And this is what I just wanted to flag up on Phil Hulls. Um, that's four bad ones in five. Four bad knockouts that he suffered in five. All of which, mate, have happened uh, in, a, in a, just a touch over two years. 26 months. All of those. I personally think, listen, I love Phil Hawes. I love watching him fight because of that attitude. And we were celebrating it last week, weren't we? We were going, these are the type of guys we love. He brings it. It's you or him. He's either going to do you or you're going to do him. But at a certain point, someone's got to get hold of him and say, listen, Phil, let's just take a bit of a rest now. I'm not saying call it a day, not at all. I'm saying, let's just take a little bit of a rest. You've had five bad, you know, four bad knockouts in, in, in five fights there in, in two years. That's not going to be good for the brain cells, pal. Let's just take a little bit of rest. Let's, let's maybe take six to nine months, maybe even 12 months. Let's take a good long rest, get ourselves straight, and we'll come back at it uh, in 2025. That's what I would like to see. I just think you take that amount of punishment those, and, and getting finished like that in that short period of time, that's not going to be good longevity-wise, mate. No, I know, I know what you're saying, absolutely. But if you look at the last... 
look at those three fights then. He got knocked out by Roman Delidze in one round in October yeah. of 20. That was a bad one. Delidze smoked him. Then he had seven months out before he fought Ali Askarov in May of 2023. Gets smoked again. Yeah. And now he's just had nine months off before he faces Bruno Ferreira. And he's just been smoked again. I don't know whether seven, eight, nine months off is the answer here. You know, is the answer getting back in quicker, getting back on the horse? I don't know what something's going on. And you know, we we talk about we've talked about extensively over the years. He's got two problems at the moment. One, losing to habits. How do you break that habits? How do you get out of that? situation of being knocked out and it's like it's not like he's been at the apex all the time he's had fights in new jersey he's had fights in texas he's had fights in new york you know the knockouts haven't all come at the apex where it's right don't let me fight the apex no more but something needs change and so someone like phil halls who's been at many gyms i think he, i think his current gyms kill cliff but he was at jackson wink for a spell he was here he was there you know he's tried different things throughout his career so he's used to moving on he's used to having new corner teams used to having new people in his ears and again, I don't want to blame the comma team here or whatever, but something he needs to fundamentally change his approach to have any chance of snapping out of this. The big, the big problem, of course, is the fact that he's getting knocked out in the first round. And it's no coincidence that it's happened three times in a row, four times in five fights, because somewhere in his brain is is somewhere in his brain is telling him when someone lands on our chin, we go down. And it's not a conscious thought, it's a subconscious thought. Again, it's something Teddy Atlas talks about extensively when you listen to him talk about boxers and boxers being knocked out. It's a subconscious decision to quit. It's a subconscious decision of your brain going, shut down, boys. We can't take this. It's snapping out of that. And that might be a sports psychologist. It might be some, you know, it might just be a change of gym, whatever it may be. Phil's got to change that. And until he changes that, this pattern isn't going to change. So he's in a real precarious position right now. Because as you say, he's still Phil Hawes. I don't think anyone's banging on the door to go get him out the UFC. But there's a no. duty of care for the UFC to go, Phil, come on, man. Show us something different. Let us know. Don't just keep going, put me back in, put me back in, coach. No. Come to us and go, right, this is how I've changed my approach. And listen, you might argue, UFC haven't got a duty care. Guys are freelancer. It's up to him. The fact that UFC or Bruno Ferreira or Ikram uh, Alaskarov can build on the back of Phil Hawes' name, this wrecking machine, now he's being wrecked by guys. That's the business. That's the fight sports business. But there's an element there maybe of people around Phil Hawes to go, Phil, man, before we go back into camp, what are we going to introduce? What are we going to do to snap you out of this situation? Must be hard, man. He's a guy that knocks people out, and now yeah. he can't stop being knocked out. It's a really tough position to be in, especially when you go to home and look at your family and your friends and people that love you and go, mate, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. Just looks like I'm the nail. Yeah, man. There's only so many times you can be the nail before your Thanksgiving dinner's being fed to you through a straw, man. Where are we at? Yeah. Uh, with the flyweights falling off, uh, this main card, there were obviously a, you had to boost one from the prelims. Boosted from the prelims was the former champion uh, Andrei Olovsky taking on the Samba boy, and boy did he Samba! Eh? Mm. <laughs> there was a... 
<laughs> Arlovsky, if anybody's ever spent any time in Andre Arlovsky's uh, company or been around him, he ain't one for messing about, right? He's a very straight down the line. Yeah. I won't say serious because there's some light-hearted moments there, but he's a straight dude, yeah? Dancing in front of him whilst you're having a fight with him. I don't think it's the way to go, mate. I really don't think it's the way to go. Um, you could see, I was watching it and I was like, oh, mate, don't become a meme. Don't, don't do this. Don't become a meme. <laughs> Dancing in front of him, giving it the big in. You could see Andre just, listen, fair play when we get to school. But inside, you could just see the blood going like this, boiling up inside his head. In the end, Zamba boy, he did the business and he looked good for large periods of the fight. Um, I think he's got a decent career ahead of him, actually. I think there's going to be yeah. some really interesting matchups at heavyweight uh, for him. Uh, Andre, listen, Andre's Andre. He's obviously slower than he was. He's, what is he, 45 years of age now? He's tough as old boots still. Um, you know, he, he's just off he, the beat. He's just off a beat in it. That's why we're we're experiencing him now on the on the apex cards because he isn't at that top level. He is that gatekeeper. He is that name for these new kids that are coming through. Uh, he was well beaten. Um, I say well beaten. I thought I scored it too well. Twenty nine, twenty eight. Yeah. Um, but from uh, from a Samba boy point, I keep calling him Samba boy from uh, from his point of view. I'm, I'm actually excited to see what it... Because you want showman, don't you? You need a little bit of summit. You need a little bit of yeah. razzmatazz. Okay. Flexing the hips and doing a bit of a dance midway through a fight. Might not necessarily be the way to go. But I actually thought technically, hands-wise, there's, the, 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 there's a lot there to get excited about. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think there was, a, there was a point in time where a win over Andre Orlovsky defined you and really set you apart as being you know, something a bit special in the heavyweight division, a future title contender, whatever you want to call it. You know, there was a time there when Arlovsky would only lose to Stipe, Overeem, Josh Bardet, Francis Ngannou, Martian Tybora, Taitu Ivasa, you know, uh, Rosenstuk, Tom Aspinall, of course. These were the only guys who were able to beat Andre Arlovsky and littered within all that was blocks of two and three wins against other guys coming These through now. Yeah. Three consecutive losses now. Don't get me wrong. Listen, heading into twenty summer of twenty twenty two, Andre Arlovsky was six and one. His only loss going back for the last oh. two years was Tom Aspinall. You know he'd had some all points decisions, but he he'd had a bunch of points wins, six points wins in and around the Tom Aspinall defeat right in the middle. But that was up until summer of twenty twenty two. Since last summer, so for the last 18 months or so, he's had three defeats, two of those being stoppages as well. Rogerio de Lima, who we accept could be a future top tenner. Dontel Mays stopped him with a knockout at the uh, last summer. And now uh, Waldo gets a points decision over him as well. If this is not a Phil, if this was a Phil Hall situation, you'd be like, no. Andre, man. He's navigating fights, mate. He's navigating. He's navigating fights, but losing's becoming a, ha a habit. Yeah. That's three losses now. That, Andre in his career, if you look back at some of those highlights that I just pulled out then, a lot of those losses were blocks, though. Four consecutive losses, goes on a four-fight win streak. Three consecutive losses, goes on a win streak. That's just the way Andre Arlovsky is. But, listen, I think 
It's a great win for Waldo. Great win for him. It's just like Andre's 45 years of age. I think I think he's about to be turned 46 as well. I'm sure he's but mm. or he's about sorry, he's 44. He's about to turn 45, 45 in February. Year 2000, mate. He's been fighting since. It's just fucking absolutely insane. Insane. Quarter of a century. Been Especially when we've been, listen, we've been speaking about Jim Miller. Yeah. 2008, his UFC debut. 2000. Yeah. Year 2000 was his UFC debut for Andrei Olovsky. Unbelievable. Absolutely yeah, unbelievable. And he's given us some incredible memories, of course. Former UFC champion. You know, lost count in the number of world-class interviews that he's done over the years. That famous one with with uh, with with Ariel, where he was talking about Tim Sylvia drinking his pee pee or something because Til- Tim Sylvia stole his girlfriend, and he was like, "Does he like the taste of my pee pee?" Fucking, that's just one of fucking many crazy stories from the history of uh, Andre Olovsky. The fact that it's twenty twenty four and he's still turning up and he's still going the distance and he's still competitive in fights speaks volumes about the pitbull man. He's a fucking absolute lunatic. Yeah. Uh, on the prelims, um, in the preview show, we highlighted a few people just to keep an eye on. Marcus McGee, Farid Bashra, and Joshua Van. You're welcome if you put a treble on because uh, we said that they were going to do bits and they absolutely did do bits. Joshua Van was the first on the prelims. He was my, he's my one to watch for this year. He just loves knocking dudes out, doesn't he? Just gets, he gets, but I think he gets a little bit fed up halfway through the fight. I think it's going on a bit too long here. I've got other things to be doing. Let's get cracking. Um, he delivered another uh, sensational finish once again. Marcus McGee is someone to really keep an eye on. Um, really, really talented fighter. Um, again, loves a knockout. I thought it was really good matchmaking this at the weekend because he was matched up with a geezer that does exactly the same thing. He loves to throw hands as well, which obviously left a, a few gaps for Marcus McGee to go through the motions and do business. Um, Farid Bashir, I had to think. Yeah, he had to think a little bit in this one, didn't he? He had to. He had to navigate um, this particular fight. I thought um, the matchmaking was fantastic. Uh, he was asked questions that maybe he's not been asked before, um, and his elite grappling, you know, shone through. And he uh, he keeps his undefeated record, and he he came through it. I thought it was a good performance. But again, I'm obviously going to be high on my guy, Josh Van. Uh, a good performance in the in the first fight of the night. Yeah, mate. The the the, the prelims belonged to one person. That was Gene Silver. He was Fuck absolutely insane. His his walk to the cage, as Bispin highlighted, took longer than the actual fight because he was meditating in the corner. He, he refused to get inside the octagon. He was just like having a moment outside of the octagon. Then, to be fair, then his opponent came out and trumped him because he had the best walkout ever. This like remix of the Willy Wonka soundtrack from the new Wonka movie. So I was all over that because me and the kids went over Christmas and Jade. So we've had this. I've been taking the kids to school with the fucking Wonka soundtrack on nonstop recently. So I'm banging to the Wonka soundtrack. So when Weston Wilson walked out with this Wonka soundtrack remix, I was like, made a Wonka walkout. That's all I needed to see. You are now my guy. Gene Silver absolutely smashed into bits. Proceeded to put on a pair of like nerd goggles. He's part of Calbarina's nerd MMA nerd team or whatever they are, and then proceeded to give Bispin one of the most uncomfortable and weirdest post fight interviews ever, which is brilliant. I love to see him. You, yeah. you missed the barking, he barked down the camera on a couple of occasions, didn't he? Just insane, mental. He obviously went out there thinking, right, my ring walk's going to be this. 
my post-fight speech, I'm going to do this. And it just did not translate, man. It was so socially awkward. It was me- Again, the fact Bisping was in there with a the microphone feeling as awkward as anybody in the world was brilliant. I love that bit. I love the no. fact that Mike... What about the demo? With it. But the, the demo, the demo was- of the knockout, the demo of the finish, all that. When he was like, yeah, come here. Wait, stand back, come here. Boom! And his, and his trainer pretends to get... <laughs> and Bisping was like... I know what you did. I've just seen it. I've just seen it. it's it's being replayed right now. You don't need to show me what you've just done. And then he was like, went all serene and was like, quiet. I pra- I practiced this. And I was like, oh my god! It was just the whole thing was just mad. It was a mad thirty minutes on the prelims when I was like, what what the hell have I just seen? Crazy Gene Silver and obviously everyone's talking about Gene Silver then. So I guess he's done what he meant to do. But very yeah. strange. Very yeah. strange. Um, listen, a nice start to 2024. We're up and running and we uh, obviously head towards Toronto this week for UFC 297, uh, where we've got the middleweight title on the line. Sean Strickland, the big upset of last year, uh, taking on Dricus Duplessis. Got, um, listen, I posted this stat this morning. You want a stat? Go on. I know that you already know this stat, but this stat is absolutely mental regarding the middleweight title, right? This weekend is the first UFC middleweight title fight that doesn't involve Israel Adesanya since before Izzy arrived in the UFC. He made his debut in February 2018, the last time the UFC middleweight title was on the line and Israel Adesanya was not involved, was in 2017, and the fight was Michael Bisping and George St. Pierre. That's mad, isn't it? It's fucking insane. Absolutely Just goes to show how much dominance Israel Adesanya has had in the middleweight division. And don't forget, when he came in February 2018, he had five non-title fights before yeah. he fought for the championship fight. Absolutely crackers. Now, people are obviously going to flag up, well, hang on a minute, Robert Whittaker and Yo Romero, non-title fight because Yo Romero missed weight at uh, UFC 225. Hey. Get your fingers off your thumbs. Get off the comments go. section. The lad knows. So, wow. Bis- Bisping GSP, 217 at Madison Square Garden, is the last title fight that took place in the middleweight division that did not involve Israel Adesanya. That's fucking insane. Absolutely insane. Come back, Izzy, man. Come back. We anyway. Need Bit of history this weekend. There you go. It's been what is it? Best part of seven years. Uh, six and a half, seven years since we've seen the title fight. We had Israel Adesanya. We're getting one this weekend, and we're going to give you a full preview at the back end of this week. Because I'm really, really looking forward to it. And of course, uh, our boy Arnold Allen uh, in action in a really tough fight. Mosvar mm-hmm. Evloev is a proper, proper fighter that could be could be fighting the night. Um, but there's other fights as well to get excited about too. That's Toronto this weekend, yeah. and we'll give you a full preview later on in the week. We'll do that later in the week. Yeah, before we uh, before we sign off, obviously, I want to pick up on a incredibly heartbreaking story that's happened in our in our MMA yes. world bubble this week, and that's the story of last Thursday. Irish fighter Ryan Curtis uh, was part of a training session and suffered a pretty serious, well, life altering. Injury during that training session. Um, Liam McCourt, who we talk about all the time, Bellator, Bellator featherweight superstar, her and Ryan were incredibly, incredibly close. And she's set up a GoFundMe 
please check out Leah's socials if you can help on that GoFundMe page. I know Conor McGregor's made a sizable donation. There's loads of other people have made huge donations there as well. We talked a lot recently uh, about a lad called Liam McCracken from Liverpool who, suffered, who got was out having a run, got hit by a bus and it looks like Liam now is going to make a full recovery and there's even talk he might even make his return to the cage at the back end of this year or early in 2025, which is phenomenal. But it's a different situation, what we seem to be getting from Liam and from other people close to Ryan, that this is life-altering injuries that he's sustained. I think Leah tweeted that he suffered a broken back, a broken neck, dislocated spine, um, damage to that spinal cord which really doesn't look good for Ryan in terms of his career moving forwards, hence the reason why there's this huge uh, huge crowdfunding situation in favour of him. He's got a young family and everything else. Mm. It really is an absolutely heartbreaking situation. So, again, if if you can help uh, any Irish fighters, it seems to be on everybody's social media. We'll make sure we put something up on Fight Disciples after we've recorded this. Liam McCourt, as I say, has started uh, some 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 uh, situation to try and raise some money to support his young family, but devastating news, absolutely devastating. And to, to happen during a training session as well, Ad must have been incredibly shocking for his teammates and those around him as well. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Listen, I don't know the ins and outs of exactly what happened. You don't want to pry, you don't want to ask questions because it's obviously deeply upsetting for people that are connected to it. But I, like you, uh, read it first on uh, on Leah's social media. I know that Molly was close to him as well. She's posted some stuff on there. I know that uh, Conor McGregor's posted some stuff on there. So it is everywhere. If you follow various people on social media, I'm sure you're fully aware of uh, Ryan Curtis's situation. Uh, we wish him well. And if you can help, I know it's a tough time of year right now off the back of Christmas and whatever, but if you can help, obviously think about that situation where he's got a young family that uh, are going to need a little bit of a lift during these tough times. A lot of tough times ahead, no doubt, for that family. Um, and well said, mate. The, um, that kind of finishes our programme uh, today. We'll be back at the back end of the week uh, in the build-up to UFC 297, as we said. Uh, building up towards that middleweight title fight between Sean Strickland and Dedicus Duplessis. So make sure you come and uh, join us for it. You can subscribe on our website, fightdisciples.com. All the audio feeds that you need are there. So you can choose one, hit the button, and you'll never miss out on the, on the content. And if you just prefer to watch what we're up to, you're more than welcome to do so via our YouTube channel, Fight Disciples, on there. Hit the button, subscribe, comment, get involved in the Fight Disciples community. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.